Hello everyone, welcome to Avoiding Entropy, I'm your host, Tumultuous, and as suggested by a friend and I guess colleague of mine, uh, I'm going to start writing these things down, maybe compile it into a book, see what I can do with that. I do like writing, I do not like reading, as oddly as that sounds, or odd, (laughs) Um, this one, this episode is uh, geared to a specific notion, a notion of a thought that is odd to you. Have you ever had a thought that you knew wasn't yours? Now, I'm not talking about some multiple personality disorder, although that does have some contribution to this. I just mean like something that you're not used to thinking. And forget about the ridicules, forget about, try to put that aside for a second. For instance, like, have you ever walked outside and felt the wind blow and you wondered how that works or heard thunder and wondered, how does that actually happen? Why is there such a loud sound? You know, now everybody knows what thunder is, I hope. And if not, then you should look it up to save us time. I'm not going to go into that. But what I'm trying to say is that there are certain times in our lives where we have to almost relearn everything. Some call it a rite of passage, some call it coming to God. I like to call it a shift change, or CADS Academy gave me this little juicy one. Thank you for that, by the way. A shift change. So for instance, think of it as a kitchen or any kind of industry. Say you're operating a, you know, a caterpillar, one of those excavators, a bulldozer, right? And it's your time to go, so the other guy comes in You tell them what you've been doing, like, I've dug this hole over there, this dirt goes over here, and blah, 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 blah. So he knows how to operate the machine. He knows how to dig the dirt. He knows now where to put it. But he still has to get the small little intricacies, the kinks out. Like, are there lots of rocks in the dirt? Is there a portion of the dirt that has a water main running through it that you can't touch? And if there is, how do you dig around it? Like, small little things. And in the same light, have you ever had to relearn something that you already know how to do? Like driving a stick shift, manual transmission, or using an electric toothbrush, although you've been using it for the past two years. All of a sudden, you almost forget how to do that. And it doesn't take you long, because you're a human being, and you're you, and you remember how you've done this, but there's that slight, whoa, feeling of like, dumb, almost. I believe that's because there's a shift change. And what happens is, since we are all one, and time is all in one shot, and not linear like we see it, we are basically jumping, not only from body to body, but consciousness to consciousness, or soul to soul. Because if I was to leave this body, and another me, or another soul, our consciousness was to jump in completely it would have to relearn the entire life like no matter how no, we'll see how much this consciousness knows you know so if I speak Russian and Spanish and English and I jumped out the next one would have to learn how to speak two or three of those languages or, or all of them or none of them who knows so that's why we leave with the vessel and the memories and the knowledge and the skills already there, we kind of brief the next consciousness into 
what's going on. But we leave out small details because we know that they'll be able to handle it. And for us, as the foreground of the vessel, we're none the wiser. We think it's we are just being stupid for a minute or recreating it. Have you ever talked to yourself? If you have, so it's actually kind of healthy. You know, when I, people, people actually ask, ask me this, excuse me, hey, do you talk, are you talking to yourself? And I say, yeah. And then the follow-up question usually is, as long as you don't answer yourself. And I usually say, well, why not? It would be rude not to answer someone that's talking to you. You see, because <laughs> psychology states that the way human beings make decisions is they actually create split personalities. One for every outcome of the decision. Should I buy a dog? Should I move to California? Should I marry this girl? Should I marry that guy? Whatever. Now, all of the personalities you create represent the different outcomes. So, the pros and cons list are just different people that you invent. And then, as you decide that those outcomes are not suitable for your well-being, you kill off those personalities. So what if those personalities weren't just imaginary? What if they were actual consciousness ready to jump in to take you to that outcome? So someone or some consciousness that's really good at marriage and relationships was there and is ready for you to jump in and marry that girl. And then someone else is not. The thing you have to take into consideration is, is although that consciousness might, might be geared to handle marriage well, it might not handle other things well that you would have had you not have chosen that consciousness. So had I not have moved to California, I would have never enjoyed the weather and I would have stayed in the cold and I would have been a better skier. But now that I have, I'm in tune with the ocean more. Well, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's the consciousness that came from a species that's aquatic. That is why you're in tune with the ocean more. Right? So, it's kind of strange to think about because you're never really you. You're borrowing yourself. And when you say my old, it's not like my old self. It's like my new self. You're still you. You are gaining the experience of all these different things or beings jumping in and out. The soul stays. The consciousness shifts. Listen, I'm not even talking about the body here anymore. I'm just talking about your mind. Now, how your mind never actually wanders. Your mind always stays in one place. It's the consciousness that wanders from different aspects of your mind. So if you're thinking about a wedding... Say, for instance, you sit down in a room right now and you observe the room, you hear the sounds, you pinpoint them, air conditioner, you know, TV, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I ask you to think about the last wedding you've been to and imagine what it was like. Did you like the food? Was it expensive? Did you pick the right dress? You're no longer thinking of the room, although you're still in it. You're thinking about the wedding. And then I tell you to picture the last vacation you were on. Same thing. Was the food good? Did you spend a lot of money? Was it hot, cold? Was it for fun? Was it for school? You're now no longer thinking of the wedding or the room, but your mind is still there. The wedding still exists. 
you're still sitting in the room, but now your consciousness has wandered to a different part of your mind. It's kind of like that, but in a bigger scheme. Instead of you sitting there in a room thinking about other things, you become a different being that believes and perceives other things while still tailoring to the memories and thoughts and abilities that you have. So when someone comes to Jesus or sees Jesus or finds God, it's because the consciousness that jumped in is more prone to believing in a higher power because maybe they're more in tune with it and vice versa. Now, I've heard something very interesting lately, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to come back at you with the fire. But apparently, the nanotech that it is in the COVID vaccine kills off the gene that has us believe in God. And many people that have gotten the vaccine afterwards have stated that they no longer believe in God. And that, my friends, is where the plot thickens. Because if nanotech could send electrical impulses into our brains to make us not believe something we've believed in our whole lives, could you imagine what else that same nanotech can do? Food for thought. Thank you for listening. Be careful out there. Mm-hmm.